Hello and welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. I am one of your hosts, Carrie Smith, and I'm joined by Carter Laren. Hello, Carter. Howdy. Today is you Friday, November 26th, and you guys are watching the live show we do Mondays and Fridays. It's the day after Thanksgiving. I'm doing well. Much better than Monday when I was super emotional and cried. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm uh, glad that's all taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, today, today's the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> we have some guests we're very excited about, especially together. I'm really excited that we have Josh Slocum. Welcome, Josh, from the Disability Hi. Welcome, Josh. That doesn't look like Josh to me. Oh, he, oh, he's David Hogg today. <laughs> You're breaking up a little bit. Huh? Uh, 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 you broke character. Cut it out. Oh, sorry. There's no smiling when you're David Hogg. There no, you go. No, he smiles. It's just creepy. Oh, does he? And, and then we've also got Sarat Chala today. And you guys will remember her from we did a really... I really got to have a really great interview, really great conversation with her about um, therapy, psychology, and ideology. Also talked with Josh about those things, and I'm excited to have the two of you here together. So welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> we should do some. Ensues. We should do some housekeeping, Carrie. Can we do a little bit of housekeeping before yeah, we jump in? Sure. All right. As a reminder, please go to unsafespace.com to watch the show. We're also on Nutrion, uh, Odyssey, and um, still YouTube, fingers crossed. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafespace. And uh, don't forget to press the subscribe button and two book club announcements. The we next have book, book club, club coming up uh, yep. on December 19th is Thomas Sowell, Black Rat Next, and... And you can still join us if you want to go to unsafespace.com to the book club page. You can find out info on how to do so. It's absolutely free to be a part of it. And you can be on camera talking about the book with us, or you can be in the live chat. Am I, froze. Am I so I'm lag? not sure if everyone, you're fr you freeze periodically and you lag. So I just want to clarify, December 19th is Black Rednecks and White Liberals by Thomas Sowell. January 30th is Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky. Um, and... I I spent some time trying to find the translation that I think will be most poetical uh, and suggested that on the book club page, but whatever translation you want. All right, now we're done. Now we can talk to these two horrible people who diagnose people from afar on Twitter. Um, I don't, actually. Oh, you don't? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. You probably get yourself in trouble if you did. But uh, but David Hogg here does. He, he has do. no, no qualms about it. Because I'm not a professional. I can say anything I want. Uh, fair it's enough. actually, it's impossible to diagnose someone if you're not a, a doctor. Like, cool. so when people say don't diagnose and like, but I'm not, I'm, I can't. Oh, that's a good <laughs> like, point. Like technically you can't diagnose because you're yeah. not. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm going to diagnose Sirit as having dropped off of the call. Um, okay. So should, should we? I, I have some ideas to start, but if you want to start somewhere, go ahead, Carrie. No, you go ahead. Actually, while Sarah's dropped, I'm going to drop off too, and, and I'm going to set up my camera in the other room closer to the Wi-Fi. All right. So yeah. just me and my my uh, my, my gay boyfriend. So. 
<laughs> hey, Josh. Party. How... You're so dreamy. I know. It's okay. <laughs> Put it back in your pants, buddy. Um, <laughs> so I, I expected some more judgment for, I honestly think House of Yes is the best Thanksgiving movie. And um, I expected you to judge me more harshly on this. I couldn't you did because, not. Um, like, I, I, well, I told you, I think I was wrong that I hadn't seen it. You know, George, my friend who's on the show sometimes, mm-hmm. that's one of his favorite movies. And I think I watched it with him and another friend years ago. But I think that was when I was a career alcoholic, so I don't remember it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, it's, there's, there's some beautiful psychological dysfunction on display in that movie. Um, and particularly a mother that I think you would really appreciate. So, all right, I'll give it a. a wait, is it is it like on the docket? Is somebody? Can, oh no, you say it's the best Thanksgiving movie. I think it's the best Thanksgiving movie because there aren't many Thanksgiving movies. But I'm also the kind of guy who thinks Die Hard's the best Christmas movie. So, take that with a grain of salt. Okay. Um, Very good. Yeah. So at, while we have you both, maybe we, can I want to start with something that someone on Twitter asked us because they knew you were both showing up and they want to get into this, and I think it's an interesting question. Um, they say, can we have an episode that gets into the initial major point of lack slash hurt for every fairy tale character in the absence of a loving mother or an effectually impotent father who can't act as a father should? Um, and I, they made a comment about how it, it's uh, perhaps relevant to today's societal dysfunction at large because we do have a lot of dysfunctional parenting happening. Do you guys have any thoughts there? Or is is that a good place to start with that? I was distracted because I was in your chat seeing if my cam is okay. Oh, your is, camera's um, fine. Yes. Is it okay? It's the computer's one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. you you look fine. You're a little bit fuzzy, but it's just like the 1920s where they would smear Vaseline on the Vaseline lens. Vaseline on the lens. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll take yeah. it. You're all good. You're all good. Um, so, yeah, the question was about fairy tales. Um, we have a lot of fairy tales, the point of which seems to be uh, not the point of which, but one of the lessons that one could learn from a lot of fairy tales is that absent uh, that that absent mothers or dysfunctional fathers lead to problems in one's life. Uh, I don't I don't know if you guys think there's anything relevant to talk about there, but I'm throwing it out because it's a question from Twitter, and I wanted to start. I with, think with that. I think it is relevant to talk about. Um, I think it is interesting that some of our uh, most um, the fairy tales we have sort of on heaviest cultural rotation in the West often do have, um, well, there's the trope of the wicked stepmother, but what goes along with the wicked stepmother is the ineffectual or absent father, right? Yeah. There's either no father figure there or he's a patsy and an accomplice like the father in Hansel and Gretel who does his wife's bidding and does take the children out to get lost in the woods. Um, yep. I think there's there's a lot of instances of that. I don't know, you know, I, I realize that the, the quick answer I would get back after I say this would be, it's because misogyny. I think it might be more complicated. I'm not sure why there seem to be more of them with the wicked maternal figure and ineffective paternal figure. Uh, rather than the violent paternal figure, but you know, yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. You don't see a lot of like abusive dads, although maybe this is like a Disney movie thing. They're not going to show, but they could show verbally abusive uh, fathers, and they they do show verbally abusive 
mothers. Like, Cinderella is what came to mind for me, not yeah. the um, not Hansel and Gretel, but that's another good example. But the you know n- none of that, none of nothing the stepmother was doing could she get away with if the father was a, an actual father, right? Well, storytelling is is it isn't always literal, is it? And we use storytelling to um, pass on history, pass on important messages, um, to teach morality. So I think you know some of these some of these stories or these these sort of fairy tales that are taught to children are um, they're meant to be teaching them lessons about the world. It's sort of like a nation nascent um, morality teaching kind of thing, and there is there is so much to that when you think about the human family is designed with two parents and um how different we are to every other mammal how much more plastic our brains are how much more um prolonged our childhood and development is so there probably is a function for two parents it probably is necessary for for you know ideal development to have two parents um that play different roles. I mean, I don't know how how realistic it always is. And in the literature, there's this idea of the good enough parent, the good enough mother, where, um, you know, it's sort of more beneficial for a child to have a parent that is um, not perfect, but good enough, repairs enough of the time, does the right thing enough of the time, if not 100%, because, you know, perfection isn't, isn't an option. And that seems to be the most beneficial, really, really for children, the good enough parent. So, you know, it's somewhere like it's it's an in-between place, I think, between having um, two ideal parents or a full a full unit and, and wanting to encourage the family unit and also being forgiving of of parents who are doing their best, you know. Can we I want to talk about that for a second, though, because um... First of all, why don't you explain to people a little bit more? I don't think people realize I, it's it's at the top of my brain right now because we just had a baby a month ago, um, and so wow. we're seeing Congrats. we're 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 doing it now. Thank you. Um, but uh, it's you know I was through this before, but it was twelve years ago, so it's been a while. Um, and yeah. it's it, it's a reminder. Oh, cool, Carrie's back. Uh, it's a reminder that um, I I don't know that everyone understands just how different we are as from other mammals in that respect right so many even primates um other primates their babies are functional autonomously much quicker like orders of magnitudes faster than and we are and the amount of resources and effort that goes into uh raising a child compared to any other animal uh is astronomical yeah well, it's, you know, like a baby antelope or deer is going to come out pre-programmed to be able to um, to walk. They, they fall out of the, the of the mother and they, they take steps in a few seconds. You know, it's so minutes, maybe not seconds. They, they come right. out, they come out pre-programmed. They come out pre-wired. Like, um, you know, Josh and I both have cats and you, you know that like you don't have to teach a cat to how how to go to the loo they know that they have to dig a hole poop in it and cover it so they come out pre-programmed humans aren't like that we come out um you know we're not a blank slate in the way these like the the the, uh, social constructivists say but we're blank slate in the sense that um 
we're adaptable. We come out and we are um, plastic enough to adapt to wherever we've landed. Other animals aren't like that, which is why, you know, like you can't have a husky in Texas, probably. That would be a terrible idea. But um, a human being, you can plant anywhere in the world and we'll find a way. We'll find a yeah. way to adapt and make it work. So it, it's not the same. Yeah, and when I think in terms of our, our means of survival, right, like my daughter talks about, uh, we had this discussion at home a little bit, my other daughter, my 12 year old loves horses. And she's like, you know, baby horse comes out and they're walking within, I don't know, seconds or minutes or whatever, but like that day, they're walking shortly after, right. Um, but if you think of humans, our primary means of survival is our, our, our cognitive ability, it's our, our, it's our reasoning mind. And that takes years. Like we're, we're like incompetent to survive using our primary means of survival for a really, really long time. Um, and I sometimes wonder, you know, we have often people on the right will say um, the nuclear family is the, the primary family union. And, and, and what they're saying is they're contrasting it with single parenthood or something like that, which I think uh, a two parent family is better. But I sometimes have to stop and ask is that was that really how we evolved even um because right now for example my mother-in-law is staying with us and it's like oh actually uh a grandparent around is quite helpful <laughs> like actually maybe the nuclear family unit really is not even the ideal maybe the ideal is is more you know you could imagine that we evolved in small tribes of uh genetically related um people and we had families where there were multiple adults around to take care of children, all of whom cared about the children. Obviously, the, maybe the parents multiple cared generations. about the generations. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because, you know, if the grandparents are invested, someone, some random, is not going to care if your kid um, does well or perishes. The grandparent is invested. There's a, there's, a, um, there's a biological pull there. There's a familial tie. And, like, I know in, in my culture, it's... People live in joint families. You have multiple generations together, and everybody kind of pitches in and and um, does everything, looks after yeah. the kids. And we're going in the other direction as a culture, especially if you start if you now look at um, I, over the past ten years, but even more acutely in the past you know several years, there's been a lot of talk about the government getting involved in basically raising your children, like yes. more preschool, more. More, they, they need support for parents that have to work and they need, oh, we need to have daycare. Government needs to do this. Government needs to do that. That's actually removing, it's going the opposite direction. It's having people with even less of a vested interest, right? Someone whose vested interest is 15 bucks an hour. That's the, that's the extent of their interest in your child or whatever they're getting paid. Um, it's, it's a movement in the wrong direction. It's a movement towards um, an impersonal raising of children, which I can't imagine is... Uh, a recipe for psychological success? No, <laughs> God, no. Um, just like you, a child needs to be attuned to. That's a part. I think one of the reasons we have this whole, this sort of like lost generation, I call them, because um, they're, they're coddled, but they're not, um, they're coddled, but not attuned to. You know, a, ba a infant needs a, attunement it needs mirroring it needs to be responded to in a very specific way like a child doesn't know a child just knows i'm in distress it doesn't know oh i'm i'm specifically not a child an, an infant um pre-verbal infant um 
it knows uh, something's wrong, I'm going to scream, my mom's going to come and get me. And it's through those interactions over time the kid learns, okay, I'm distressed, I think it's hunger. I'm distressed, I need the loo. I'm distressed, I'm really tired. You don't come out knowing that. And that attunement only really seems to happen with the mother or, you know, another primary caregiver. You're not going to get that kind of attunement with four nursery workers and a whole, um, you know, right. place full of... But while they're being coddled in other ways of you're so special, aren't you perfect? You're perfect just the way you are. And I worked in nurseries and I would not send my kid to one. No way. When I was studying, I worked in schools and, and nurseries and things. And no way is my kid, would my kid go to go to a nursery ever. Like many things that we're seeing, it's what they're saying is the opposite of what they're doing. Like, you're special, you're loved, you're blah, 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 which is kind of the opposite of how they're really being treated, which is uh, you're one of 25 and <laughs> we will, you know, we're raising you. There's a there's a line from House of Yes, Josh, uh, which is people raise cattle, children just happen. That's the mom says this. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I... It kind of seems like there's uh that's that's the those are the two options we're being offered, right? They just happen, so you like don't do anything with them, or you raise them like cattle. There's no like raise them like humans option. Hmm. <laughs> Hi, Carrie. Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> um, I love that movie. I didn't know you liked that movie. I, I own House of Yes. I, Me too. It's really funny. Uh, yeah. That I haven't seen it in a while. That it's not a good Thanksgiving movie. No, it's awful. It's the best Thanksgiving movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's like about everything wrong. It's one of the only movies about Thanksgiving. <laughs> it is about Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to. I didn't hear all of that conversation, but but I just wanted to to ask you guys like more of a general question since we have the benefit of you both of you on the show. <sighs> What is wrong with people? <laughs> What's wrong? And 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 let me let me be a little more clear. Is it are things am I right in thinking that things are especially bad with people right now? And I and have they do we kind of go in cycles? Because I also think they've been this bad at other times in history. I just think we have to be in like a really bad time where people are very unwell, like very mm. unwell. I went down a, first of all, it, on, on Twitter, you know, we all know they ban wrong thinkers. If you have the wrong opinions, mm. they'll ban you. Our Unsafe Space account was permanently banned. We have lots of uh, friends who've been permanently banned uh, by Carlo, uh, as Hill versus Babyface, uh, Drunk Three PO, people who just get just get taken off there for no reason other than you know they're selectively applying rules. At the same time, I didn't know this until this past year. Twitter allows hardcore porn. There's mm -hmm. kids on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like it's just out there in the public. It's not behind a paywall. And they yeah, allow they kids. allow pedophilic porn too. They allow pedophilic porn stuff I never knew was on there. And the other day. Uh, I clicked on a, a friend was interviewing someone, a porn star, and I clicked on her profile just wondering, does she have porn up here, the, the porn star? And then I saw stuff I had never, the, it's scat porn on Twitter, like people eating poop, like people eating, and, and 
Yes, and she has a whole thing. A scat. A, she has a. There's a profile. There's a website called Scatbook, where they take. They just do videos of this stuff. And there's like men on Twitter commenting on all her posts, like, "Oh, and there's porn of her and another girl eating vomit." And people are in the <laughs> comments, like, "Yeah," and they're like, "I love this. I know it's sick. I'm just saying, what is wrong with people?" It bothered. Me. I try it's not to be judgy me. of sexual kinks, but that's a bridge too far for me. I think it's too far. And, I'm like, fecal mucker is poisonous. Why would like you? you I don't. Yes, and there's no. Oh, like, so like, I, I wish I could eat your da, 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 and they're like paying money and subscribing for all this kind of content, and I just feel like these are the kind of people who try to save money by using both sides of the toilet paper. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for the levity. I'm sorry. To, I'm you know, sorry to I out. wanted Thanksgiving leftovers today, and you have completely ruined, ruined it. it. I don't but think I'm really, eating for another 24 hours. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm uh, so sorry to gross. There's a whole out. buffet in the bathroom, Carter. <laughs> we'll get up. We'll get past it. My point is, mm. I saw this. It, I felt thought it was depraved, and I was wondering, or is something a special? I know this is an extreme. Everybody's not like this, but it's out in the open on a major platform and it's yes. allowed and people think it's cool there's enough people that think it's cool that like pay for this stuff and i know that's extreme but i think it's i think it's for me i think well that's an example of how sick we've become as a people am i wrong like what is wrong with us no you're not wrong it is far worse than it was even just a few years ago yes it is objectively worse there is a higher quantity of it it is even if it's not discussed as if it were respectable, the very fact that so much of this stuff can peek through and people do not react with outrage, they keep themselves quiet, they don't say anything about it, that is also new, right? Mm. Yeah. This is a slow creep, isn't it? It's a slow creep. It's a, we'll, we'll um, introduce something little something really really this is the cycle something absolutely fucking horrifying everybody is like jesus christ are you serious and then they say that's not actually happening then it's after that's not actually happening it's um okay it's it's it is happening but not the way you say it is and then it's like okay yeah it's happening but you're a bigot if you think um you know it's a problem and then it's like why this is good for society i know, you know this is a good what, thing why aren't you liking it <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Soon Isn't the World Economic great, Forum will be poop. Yeah, that'll be the yeah. the World Economic Forum solution to climate change will be why not eat poop? <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw something on Twitter last night, um, which was that in the future you're not gonna have your Thanksgiving, your usual Thanksgiving, you're gonna have bugs in your pie crust and yes. um oyster stuffing and um kelp salad i don't know just like a whole really revolting um <laughs> disgusting buffet that nobody would ever want to eat uh <laughs> wait i i i have a i have a i'm gonna i i can die i can't diagnose technically so but i i can judge i'm gonna make a judgment and you can tell me i'm wrong uh i think a lot of people that write these articles are getting an erotic thrill from grossing you out i don't think that they're writing them in a like Oh, people should be informed about this new science and this is where we're going and it's interesting i think they are writing them because they want to see that you are <laughs> disgusted by crickets in your pie crust which was a thing in 
was it Washington Post somewhere? I forget. Yeah, a couple days ago. Yeah. Oh, definitely. They're they're typing these articles one handed for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, do you think, Sarat, that we're we're that we are at we've accelerated? Like Josh said, he thinks so. Definitely, it's worse right now than it's been. Do you think that we've accelerated? That there's something that people are more unwell today than they were even 20, 30 years ago. Um, yes, but there's a, there's a mix of factors. I think at the moment we're really, really um, keenly aware of it because I think the pandemic has really accelerated things. I think people have been online for the last 18 months to two years. And, um, you know, people are, people are really burnt out, just general normal people are just burnt out from the last two years. Things have been... Um, it's not been an easy time, has it? And we've all been online so much more than than probably ever before. All these world events are happening that we're kind of latching onto and then we take all our frustrations out on them by dividing into tribes and camps and having fights on the internet. And then you've got the coddle generation that's now um, 30 plus, um, that that's really pathological actually. And uh, the, I mean, spending so much time on the internet is not, not good for us. You know, like Brett Weinstein and Heather Haying's new book, I think, definitely would be worth a read. Um, and, you know, the central premise or their, their thesis is that we're this primitive thing in the modern world. Um, and it's, it's, it's not doing us any good. We're not evolving fast enough. We're not evolving as fast as technology can evolve. Um, and even considering how adaptable we are, probably the most adaptable organic thing can't be as adaptable as technology. You just can't. What's so the name of the new book? Um, a hunter gatherer, hunter gatherer's guide to life, I think it's called. Oh wow! In the twenty first century, I believe. Some, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Let me. I've, I've got it, it in my e-reader. I'll have a look. Oh, cool. So. If we step back and look at this from like a, you know, over multiple generations, I sometimes I just like to look at like, I know maybe this isn't practical, but I have to look, okay, what happens a thousand years from now? Like when we like, this is the direction that we're going. And I, one thing that that's frustrating, and I'm not sure how to break this cycle is there's like, there's okay. this, a lot of these personality disorders are, um, there's there's at least genetic tendencies for them. That doesn't mean that you'll have them, but like you can have a genetic predisposition for behaving in a certain way, right? And you can be placed in an environment in which that is uh, encouraged or discouraged, right? And when you have a culture which encourages every sort of dysfunction possible and then rewards that dysfunction, you will over time breed more of that dysfunction um <laughs> thus creating a society that even more encourages the the breeding of that dysfunction if you look at this from i'm just kind of looking at this as like a, a gene war problem which is like okay well at some point the people who aren't slaves to technology or aren't the people who, who adapt the best might end up being not the traits that you and I would want to see in humanity, 
right? Mm. Like humanity maybe becomes this disgusting thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. But this is Josh's thing, so let I think Josh has a lot to say about this. <laughs> disgusting stuff is Josh's well, category. I mean, I Go Josh. To say about it, but it's your thing too. I mean, you're you're actually a credentialed professional, of course, and I'm not. I know, but uh, you've thought about this at length and have been looking at looking at this, thinking about this. So, you know, I don't want to discount that. I think it's quite important to hear what you have to say. If this is cyclical, and it it may be. If we go through these cycles where this kind of dysfunction is more or less encouraged or discouraged in a certain era, you know, I, I talk about, I mean, as you know, I talk about cluster B personality disorders and the traits of those, both that happen in people with the disorders, but in the people who are abused by people uh, who have these traits and disorders. And I, I talk about it because I think it is one of the keys to understanding where we are culturally and politically. I think it does come down to individual psychology. Uh, at least that's one way to look at it that has been neglected. But it isn't the ultimate answer, right? There's something underneath that, and I don't know what's underneath it. But the next question is, okay, if that's the case, then why is cluster B so prominent right now? There's a step back, you know, and I don't know... I don't know where to sort of stick the wrench in the works. Do we stick it in at the cluster B junction, which is what I'm trying to do? But there's another junction farther back that brought us there, and I don't know what it is. So I, 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 I've been thinking about this, Josh, and my I don't know that I would even describe it as farther back because I've been playing this game in my head where, like, does psychology come first or philosophy come first, right? Because um, if you have bad philosophy, you can create ideas that um, – you can create a culture of ideas that – that permits and encourages this uh, dysgenic pressure, uh, right? Or you could have a, a philosophy and a culture that that suppresses that and says, "Well, you know, no one wants to have kids with you if you if you if you put your cluster B traits and other crap in your Twitter profile, you don't get a date, right? Um, like that, you, you could have pressure in a, in a society that direction. Um, and I'm the only conclusion that I've come to is it's kind of both, and we have. We have generally spoken of, well, let's be clear, philosophy is an old discipline, but um, also been corrupted quite a lot and used just to, you know, ruin ideas for the past couple hundred years, largely, right? And psychology is really nascent. I mean, it's barely a science, no offense to psychologists, but like, no, it's, it's really, really nascent. And so I think maybe the answer is, I think... Uh, this is one of the ways I think about, like, if you think about the the hierarchy of philosophy, it's like metaphysics, ethics, sorry, metaphysics, epistemology, ethics, and then you get to politics, right? And I think when you start getting into to aesthetics and politics, which have traditionally been branches of philosophy, I don't think that they are, they, they don't belong in the purview of philosophy only. I think that they, that there's a mixture of psychological and philosophical understanding that needs to be melded in order to understand, you know, you can't say this is philosophically the best way for people to live together without understanding the psychology of people and what their needs are psychologically and what pressures, like what ideas, you know, help manifest other dysfunctions or, or, or great psychological traits. And like, you can't, 
I don't think they can be analyzed separately. I don't think teasing. I don't. I think they've been apart. And I think really the the for someone who's interested in this, I think that the task is to integrate them, not figure out which is first, because I don't think there is a which is first. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a it's a confluence of things, and I think we have to be wary of coming up with a simple answer because there isn't one, um, and there really is a, a there really are bright lines. And the philosophy of the day, if you could even call it that, ideology, is is kind of divorced from human nature, and it's divorced yes. from what may you know. It's it's just it's not particularly connected to um, how people work. Um, it's trying to untether itself from biology entirely, mm-hmm. but it's it's quite important to think about how your bio like there are biological differences between men and women. That doesn't mean you have to go along with stereotypical social gender roles. Um, I doubt any of us do, but um, but there are biological differences. The urge to nurture, for example, um, or you know, like the higher testosterone, it impacts your behavior. So you know, but we want to pretend that these things aren't happening, and it, or these things don't exist and haven't informed our evolution over millions of years. And all of a sudden, in the last hundred years, we've solved something, or we can go against these like this millennia of evolution. It's very odd. Yeah, I feel like a hundred years ago there were the biological essentialists who were like, "Well, your DNA is, is what you are," right? Maybe it was yeah. longer, one hundred fifty years ago. Like, and that you had a lot of um, racists justify whatever they wanted using using that kind of an argument, right? And then you had. Um, uh, environmental essentialists rise. And, and I actually view uh, Marxism as a form of, of environmental essentialism, this idea that like, well, you put people into this thing, and they will be molded exactly the way we want, and you'll end up with perfect comrades. And like, they, they're not human, they're fodder for the state. And if we just raise them the right way, like, done, they behave it's, the way we want, they don't behave like humans. And I think purism, isn't it? Yeah. And what we haven't done is said, Hey, guys, you're both wrong. Uh, I mean, some people have, and I think the people that are working on this know this, right? But it is this mix of both things. It is this, yes, there, there. It's, it's not environmentalism all. You know, it's not all your environment, and it's not all your genetics. And there's a really um, complex think, interplay there, and I don't think we've completely unraveled what that is. You know, it's weird. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm misremembering my education 20 years over 20 years ago but i was an anthropology major and at the time we seemed to be everybody acknowledged that it that it wasn't nature versus nurture it was a little of both and oh yeah i'm saying that yeah, the people who know know yeah yeah I'm, I'm saying the experts know like when we interviewed charles murray like and he wrote a book about this like he, he knows about it he he reviewed the literature the people who write the literature know the people doing the research know but 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 Us, I mean, the mainstream too, doesn't know anymore. But I think the people used to know. I think this is one of those like forgotten common wisdom things where now everybody's Maybe. run to these sort of extremes or all or nothing or the same way they have with politics. And they're like, oh, is it? It's all biology or you know this ideology that's taken root. This, this social justice ideology says, oh, it's all environment. And it, I, I, I don't know. It's just like common wisdom that we've forgotten. These we keep getting presented with these false dichotomies, these false choices of. It's this or it's this. Yeah. 
I don't know that it was common. I, I think it was like it took a while for humans to figure that out, and I think there was a period of time in which academia had academia had that much figured out. They didn't really know much more than there was both, but they didn't really understand too much about how there was both. Um, but by the time, um, you know, like shortly after, that kind of became known in the mainstream. Uh, we had a rise of an ideology that was basically like, oh, you disagree with my essentialism on this, therefore you're the other kind of essentialist. Like that's, you know, people will say all the time, if you say that there's a genetic component to any of these things, they'll be like, they'll they'll conflate you with the racists from 150 years ago and say, you're a genetic essentialist. It's like, no, don't you remember the 80s and 90s when we knew that those those weren't the two options? (laughs) Like, yeah, well, I remember a conversation I had in the early 90s with uh, a couple of my friends at the time. And they were, this was this was just before, this was when I was being taken under the wing by a couple of older women between seven and 10 years older than me. But I was a teenager and they were grad students. They were, you know, real full adults. And I was sort of getting, this is when I was being- Grad students aren't real full adults, Josh. Let's yeah, I know, but- th- Pause there, but okay. me, they were. Okay. Right. And th- these these two actually were in in very important ways. Actually, I got some I got some indirect parenting from these relationships that I didn't get at home. And I there were a couple of they were both um, humanities majors, and I remember a conversation I had with Lisa where I said something about. I made some reference to differences between um, the kinds of inclinations that men and women had emotionally toward family members. And she reacted very quickly and said, you sound just like the sociobiologists. And and you could hear that sociobiologist was in italics, right? It was a swear word. Um, this is what they called evolutionary psychologists when it was in the 1970s. And... A few years later, I was having a conversation with with my other friend where I said, um, I don't remember the context of the conversation, but I said, you know, when when sexes are out of balance in a home or in a society or in a in a in a group of people who live together, I made a remark that. If you get too many men in one place, it's not a good idea because women have a civilizing and domesticating effect uh, to some degree on on a group um, who are who are living together. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something like that. My friend reacted again very badly to that and said, well, it sounds like you're repeating the angel in the home trope from uh, from uh, the Victorian era where the woman was supposed to be the the goddess of, of the house and, and responsible for everybody's moral development. It just hasn't been possible for people, it seems to me, to live in the middle. There's, they always seem to be reacting to, if you know, if you say that, then you're one of the sociobiologists, but if you don't believe that, then you're one of the blank slatists. Has there ever been a period when, when we were, as, as mainstream people, where we actually did live in the middle? Sounds like you think there was Carter. I don't know if there was. Maybe I didn't experience. That. I well, I, I thought was. Carrie was saying that there was, and and I don't oh, yeah. disagree with her. I mean, I I but it I but I wasn't in the the circles that you were in, Carrie. Right? I was a, 
you were an anthropologist. I was a cryptographer, so we didn't really talk about that too much. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the mainstream. I think a lot of mainstream people, Josh, here's what I'll say. Even now, most mainstream people intuitively understand that it's a mix. Um, yeah. And they and if you characterized it as either blank slate or full DNA, they would say that you're stupid. And they wouldn't even have to have any science background. They would just know because intuitively you look out at the world and you're like, obviously there's a difference between men and women. And obviously it's not fully like, it, obviously it's not a complete divide. It's not a Venn diagram with no overlap. Those are two obvious things. Like everyone knows that we don't need PhDs to explain that to us. What we need PhDs for is to talk about how they interact, what the overlap is, what we can do. And instead we have PhDs going, they don't overlap at all. Yes. Yes, or they don't exist. There is no Venn diagram. There's no such thing as women. Yeah. That's what we have. Yeah. We have them convincing us to pick up some really uh, unscientific ideas and to incorporate right. these ideas as if we were in a cult. And I see people repeating these things now. Again, I, I do believe things have gotten worse in the past 10, 20 years. I think things are reaching a, a crisis peak in terms of people's uh, mental health. But I see people repeating things that I don't think they would have been. I don't think, you, I think if you had told them 20 years ago, they would be saying that there's no such thing as a woman and that biological sex isn't real. They wouldn't believe you. They would say, oh, that's a slippery slope fallacy. That's not, I'm never going to say that, you know, cut to biological sex isn't real guys. <laughs> like, <they're, laughs> Right. Well, it's like right. I, was, I was weirdly thinking about something really similar last night. And I just had this flashback to me with my parents um, in our first home, which was a really small little place. My brother, sister and I all shared a bedroom and we used to wake up really early and watch television. The news would be on. And I used to like watching the news, even as a really little child. And I just had this weird flashback to that. And I was thinking, imagine explaining to that child that, OK, a big problem when you grow up will be that the news just likes to lie. And, you know, so do sort of like academics. And when you mentioned PhDs, the first thing I thought was, I think we have too many PhDs and people who are like intellectual, um, educated well past their intellectual ability, because there's this sort of um, racket, isn't there, with the PhDs at the moment, just get anybody in as long as they can pay um, these, you know, extortionate prices. And then they write these Mickey Mouse theses, theses that like just make absolutely like there's no real world utility at all to some of this. Oh, I think they're destructive sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Not only Sorry. is there not utility, it's anti-utility. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I beg to differ. I don't know if you were on the episode. We talked about my former friend who has a PhD in food dance about racism. Food? I'm not what? joking. What? It's food dance. And food she. Well, obviously that me. field is very important. <laughs> she incorporates food dancing about food and systemic oppression. Dancing about food. I mean, that's great, isn't it? That's such a, <laughs> how great that that's what people are doing in university. Does she get paid in dollar bills, Carrie? I don't like. Does, yeah. does she yeah, get paid she in does. singles? She's a te she's teaching others right now. No, I never but, mind. You missed. Her. Oh, I, I got it. Right. It went over your hat. Josh got it. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. The kind of food dance I recognize is Carmen Miranda. Okay. Chiquita. Straight bullshit. <laughs> But that's as soon as you said we have too many PhDs, Sarah, that's that's exactly where my mind went because 
that's where most of the PhDs I know, people who are my age that used to be in my social justice circles, they all have degrees like that. Completely ridiculous. Useless, yeah. navel-gazing, self-indulgent drivel that yeah. no one is, is, I mean, there's just no real world utility at all to some of the shit that's churning out. One of, one of um, our, I think we all probably follow her, Ava Petrucci on, on Twitter, and she was saying that there was some major that, um, uh, I don't know, her, her kid was going to college and there was some, one of the friends that was too late registering to classes and he got stuck in the class that nobody wanted. And then the book that he had to read and she shared a picture of it was called Undrowned. And then it was something like what feminism can learn from marine animals. I was like- Black feminism. <laughs> was that what it was? She's yeah, what well, manate they could they could look like manatees and that would be the end. Um like on on drowning. See how somebody came so, up with that. I I I'm going to I'm here's what I think is going on because I think there's another thing that you're bringing up here with with PhDs which is um because we have to step back and realize that in the past several generations like science itself or we'll say I'll say the the rational intellectual pursuit of understanding how the world works and doing things and you know and manifesting things uh, as a result has been phenomenally great for humans right I mean our standard of living has gone up our life expectancy has gone up uh, you know ch birth, you know child death has gone down like it, it's it's been phenomenal but I think people have mistakenly conflated that with credentials um, and so the universities and academia. Are, they're living on borrowed time because they're 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 riding the coattails of the general success of uh, a rational exploration of the world around you and the application of that to human life. Um, they're riding on that coattails, and people believe that oh, a PhD means you're an extra special expert, super smart in some area that will have long term benefit for us in some way. Like that's you know when in fifty years ago, if you got a PhD in chemistry, you might be working on some very esoteric thing that doesn't have a practical application tomorrow, but will and might actually be the thing that enables some huge breakthrough that is part that becomes part of every cell phone 50 years from then, right? Um, but but instead, we've for, we've, because it's kind of lazy to understand the difference, we've just kind of said, well, it's the PhD, it's the credential that makes them valuable. And so if you want to be productive, go get a credential, and credentials should be respected. Um, and I have very little, res I, I have almost negative respect for credentials at this point, um, because it means that you're you're definitely indoctrinated, you're almost surely indoctrinated, and if your PhD is in a non-science, you're probably a moron. It's it's the same thing with the prestige for the media and journalism. Yes. We, we mistakenly uh, conflate, what, what was it you said we conflate with the credentials? Uh, I don't know and if I could say it again concisely, okay, but but, but, but this 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 rational exploration of the world of the and world. and an application of 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 what you've learned to better human life, like that's kind of how we. So we do the same thing with journalism now. We conflate this uh, unbiased pursuit of truth and of the story. We conflate that with having a corporate working for corporate press, corporate media, having the prestige of being a blue check mark. Right. CNN is conflated with journalism. Then they're right. nothing like each other. Right. Mm. Sarah, 
since you're here, um, I'm curious how you would describe, I mean, you know, you've seen some episodes of my show and of course, you know, at some point soon you'll come on and we'll have a conversation with each other. So I guess I'm priming the pump a little bit, but I'm curious what, how you would describe the, the changes in behavior and emotional affect and stability around in our culture, um, from a professional point of view, you know, I mean, you know that I say, I think we're seeing a lot more, I think we're seeing a greater number numerically of actual likely fully personality disordered um, people, but also a spread and a mainstream adoption of many of the worst traits by people who aren't necessarily personality disordered, but you know, what does it look like? How would you describe? this i i think it's socialization um i think people have been have been so just like carter pointed out earlier that you know these things are we're validating pathology um and i think there's been there's been it's, it's kind of a perfect storm it's i really think it comes down to this um over lenient parenting and like the coddling sort of parenting and then um so if you combine this whole group of people who have been like coddled, um, they probably had too easy a time through their school system. And then um, while there's this social change happening and the advent of the internet, this information is more and more sort of like fed to you. Um, the culture has been slowly taken over by these ideological ideas. So films, television, but everything is feeding you these ideas that you're special, um, the only way to think about the world is through this lens. Um, and people people are, are, are taking these in and then they're starting to exhibit some of these traits, but then the culture is saying, well, that's great, that this is really good what you're doing. Um, while we go more and more sort of pathological, like some of the stuff that, that we see that I don't think the mainstream sees, but this little bubble of all, all of us that kind of are saying something is really wrong here, is um, really scary, actually. Really, really scary. Like the, the thing you shared on your um, podcast last week with the pornography in schools, Josh, um, that's really fucking terrifying. Like, if that's not gonna... gonna um, give you pause and make you think jesus christ something has gone really out of whack this is we're giving porn to children this is insane um but again it's that same cycle of we're not really giving porn to children okay if we are it's, it's only because of this important reason and then do you know what i mean and they'll go on and then it'll eventually become this is really good for kids yes well, and if you don't I, and agree, I, you're i think you're exactly right um i I guess I'll just come right out and say, because I'm going to talk about it on my show tomorrow. Um, it's exactly what you describe. The parent, uh, for those of you who don't know, I talked to a lot of people have seen images of this book. It's a, it's a comic book slash graphic novel about coming out as genderqueer. It's written by a woman. Um, it's full on pornography. There's dildos, oral sex, uh, masturbation, um, everything. Fellatio uh, to an adult. Yeah, child yeah, yes. to an adult. Yes, um, that is fucking horrifying. It's How? it's just it's as graphic as possible. Um, 
the mom of the local, uh, the mom who got me this copy of the book from our local public high school library filed a police report. And I just got an update that the prosecutor, the district attorney, has said to the police that he or she is probably not going to prosecute this because the obscenity law against sharing obscenity with minors includes a qualifying phrase. And that qualifying phrase is, if harmful to minors. So wow. it's not clear to them that this is harmful to minors. And wow. it's also not clear to them, listen to this carefully, that it violates prevailing community standards. And wow. in a sick way, I think they're right. Yeah. I don't think this violates adult community standards in liberal Vermont. Yeah. That's horrifying. Yes, it is. What do you're you reminding do? me of? Yeah. When people when 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 the word harmful was originally used, we people had a pretty clear understanding of what that meant. But uh, now it's that that word means something different. Now, this right? isn't so. harmful, this kind of encouraging. And, and I mean, y'all just have to take my word for it. You can watch my my show last week if you want. But I saw it. It was disturbing. For anybody who didn't this is not only graphic pornography, it is a portrait of the author's psychopathology. And I mean mental illness. There is extreme disassociation from the body, phantom physical sensations. Um, it's, this, this is very clear to anyone who has a passing familiarity with childhood trauma, it is very clear what is going on in the author's mind here. And she, in her mind, this is a healthful place that she's in that she wishes to share with young people who read this book. She's becoming the asexual, agender queer who fantasizes about having a penis, and this is normal and good. She's like a chrysalis. She's going to come out as a butterfly. It's not. It's sick. So this, however, is not harmful, or it's debatable that it's harmful, but the very same people will tell us that if you misgender 16-year-old Caitlin and don't say that she's a boy, that you not saying she's a boy is lasting, permanent psychological harm. That to them is harm. Yeah. So this is why I'm, this is why I, uh, you, <laughs> that's the best, that's the best argument anyone could make, I think, for why I don't care that there's division in our society and I want the divide to be deeper and I would like to separate completely. I don't think those people can be argued out of their positions. No, I just don't think it's possible. You can't reason people out of positions they didn't reason themselves into. Right. And yeah. that's where we are. You can't, you know, I think it was Sam Harris, who I know now everybody hates, but um, Sam Harris said something um, like, what logic can you present to somebody that doesn't value logic? And he's right. absolutely right. Absolutely right. You can't, you can't, even have conversations with them because it becomes this very histrionic, hysterical, emotional thing. You can't just have a conversation on the on the level of ideas and concepts and the merit of, of the argument. It always has to be about, they personalize it, you did this to me, and then it's mm -hmm. like, and now you are this, because you did this to me, you are this X, Y, Z. And it's it's really psychologically like fucks with you and people internalize this 
And that's why there's so much self-censoring. That's why there's so many people who are quiet, who won't come forward and say, actually, this is fucking ridiculous. Like this book that Josh described. I have no problem with an adult who wants to um, gender, queer, agender, do what you want, be what you want, but you are categorically are not to show fucking uh, a child fellating an adult in a in a school library. Are you out of your fucking mind? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use it. I want to use an analogy that you might think is over the top, but I'm gonna, hopefully, I think this. Imagine a society. Imagine if there was a whole swath of society who rolled around in the mud naked and, and ate like pigs and snorted and was like, like that's how they, they literally behaved like pigs, right? And someone comes along and says, there's a divide in a society. We need to come together as humans to like build a society together. You need to work with the pigs. You would say, well, that's crazy. They're not even human. They're not even trying to be human. There's nothing about them that is like, they're, they're intentionally being anti-human. I can't build a society with people rolling in the mud, snorting and acting like pigs. I, I don't need to, I don't need their consent. I don't need their permission. I don't need to negotiate with them. I can ignore them. Well, when you ignore the the need to be a rational human being and you think that you can be driven by your whim and your feelings and your dysfunction and that is okay you are equivalent to a pig you are not acting you're not human you're making yourself unhuman you're, you are intentionally subverting your humanity you cannot build a society with people that want to subvert what makes humans human you have to work with the with the pigs took me out. <laughs> I, how are you? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, let's walk it through. How yeah. is that going to work? Literally. Like, okay, you go then, up to then, a place that is pig people, right? Where a bunch of pig people are living in a pig pile. <laughs> and you start asking them, like, should we make a rule about this? And what do you get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. What the fuck are you supposed to say to that? <laughs> that's, what wait, we're, wait. that's where we are. So I think uh, this is interesting to me because, you know, my opinions on this, have, they've, they, they've started changing sometimes the longer that I've done the show with Carter. <laughs> but, but I still believe, I was thinking about it this morning, actually. I can't remember what led me to this. I, I was just thinking, I still believe there are people that are reachable, like myself who were in this ideology who, and I know so many people who were in it and who've left. Josh, I don't know if you would ever describe yourself as social justice, but you were in those circles. There, sure. there are a lot of people I've met over the past couple of years who've left it. And, but, but also to agree with what's been said so far, well, like with Sorette and the quote that you, you, you said, uh, you can't reason people out of positions they didn't reason themselves into. Absolutely. Reason is not what got me out of social justice. And right. so I think some of these people can be reached. I guess my opinions have, they're in flux on whether or not it's, that's a losing proposition. I still, I still think we can change the culture. I still think we can wake people up through talking about ideas and philosophy and psychology and and I still think we can wake people up just by how we behave in the world, how we treat people. And I don't know. You know what wakes them up? What? Getting on a ship and they can watch you leaving. <laughs> around like, 
Oh fuck! I'm sitting. I'm on the pig island. Damn it! I made the wrong choice. Fuck. Yeah, but yeah, I know. But you know, I'm doing my. I'm trying. I'm pushing for that too. But go ahead, Sorat. The pig people is hilarious, and I think there's a decent amount of people that would fit to that analogy. There's a chunk of them, but there's also a chunk like they're not pig people. They're people who just can't separate their emotions and their their. It's a form of narcissism, isn't it? Everything is about the self. Just absolutely fixated on the self. Every little whim and feeling and passing fancy has to have a label to it. And then there's like 507 labels. And then those 507 labels must be accommodated by everybody you come into contact with. And if they don't accommodate you and affirm you or whatever, then, um, you know, they're bigoted. And then you have to get stuck on that and then, you know, see if you can get them fired. So this is like, you know, there are people staying in this, in this, it's, it's an adolescent mindset with adult power yeah okay fighting with like actual adults who yeah. who wouldn't behave that way i yeah so i all right i'm gonna i'll expand my analogy okay i think the majority of the people are sitting on the fence watching yeah. us and watching the pigs and they <laughs> they're trying to figure out like which way should i go I'm going to just like the pigs you are kind of in control of Twitter. So I'm going to going to shut up about the pigs for now because they seem to be in control. But these other people are making some sense. And I don't know. And I'm going to sit on the fence. I think that's a majority of the people. But I'm going to quote. I think it was Mark Twain. Right. Never argue with a fool. Onlookers may not be able to tell the difference. Those are the onlookers. Like if they watch us try and argue with the pigs, we lose. If they watch us sail away and be like, you know what? Have your pig farm. We're leaving. They get an opportunity to make a choice. Not right, and I'm, it's all metaphorical, but no, it, it works. And the other thing is that um, you don't just have to sail away. You just have to not behave like the people on the fence or the pigs. And you have to be right. Like, are you fucking nuts? Right. These are pigs. Like, are you okay? Is right. It, you you know, sail away you metaphorically. Just... You're like, I don't have to talk to the pigs. I don't have to argue with pigs. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I find that um, there are a lot of people whose mind has been has been impacted by what's happening they're not clear anymore and they're in this it's like their feet are in two worlds the pseudo reality and then objective reality yes yes right so they're they're like walking this line and they're not sure because they feel like oh i have to accommodate the pseudo reality talking points but there's cognitive dissonance because i still have a foot in objective reality but if i don't say the right things um you know social exile cancellation all the other stuff and then when there's when you come across somebody and i really really try to be this person um is, when you just say keep saying the objective reality stuff just keep saying it yeah don't indulge the um the pseudo reality just don't indulge it but also don't use disproportionate force you know like there's i think there's a few too many on our side that are starting to um hit back way too hard I think you yes. have to be judi judicious with your force. So, like, refuse to indulge the bullshit. Don't use disproportionate force. But have some strength behind what you're saying and don't be afraid to say it. Like, let them keep coming at you. Don't stop. And I think the more people that do that, it's that that's what emboldens other people to say, oh, wait, yeah, you're right. That is what the truth is. And I find, like, I get DMs, especially on Instagram, every day 
saying like just you're you're um you're helping me not feel crazy this is the com- this is the most mm. common message i get the stuff that you say helps me feel helps me stay sane you help me not feel crazy because we are making people um we're gaslighting them we're gaslighting them yeah cognitive dissonance like um you know some like this wakesha thing it's uh, is that how you say it wakesha 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 okay um is one of the worst things that's happened in the last year all the virtue signalers i follow on instagram and that's basically all the north american therapists you know they're the first ones jumping up and down when anything happens and all the virtue signalers are silent not yeah. one thing have i heard from any of them yeah bloody like babies little children doing their like christmas parade have been massacred in the street and these they, people are quiet about it they are silent similarly it reminds me of because i'm still in some of those social justice circles on facebook as well and they're always like you said they're the first to be outraged and they couldn't shut up about kyle rittenhouse for example a recent one but yeah. it reminds me of their silence around any kind of radical Islamic terrorist attack. Um, the one that happened in France a few years ago. They're always just completely they won't quiet. The truth. They have, yeah, they have nothing to say about it. And and they've been, like you said, they've been similarly just... Yeah, they wouldn't the shut the fuck up about Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. Um, and you know, I'm I'm not quite in the anti-work position, and I'm definitely not in the woke position on that. I think it's absolutely demented that a 17-year-old had access to that kind of weapon and was wandering about the streets with it. I think not just because um not for the obvious reasons. I'm like it's also like a sense of safeguarding for him. He's a minor. How did you get that weapon? What where are your parents? Why are you on the street? You're you know, he's so lucky he didn't he got acquitted like his whole life could have been ruined um you're so european sirat but we love you anyway (laughs) (laughs) i don't get the i just a few people have been a bit annoyed with me about this and i don't get the gun culture so maybe you can explain it to me i just know but what what you should you'll visit and we'll take you to the range and then you'll get the gun culture oh i've shot before my dad used to my dad is um has like a whole thing had a business to do with guns um like I quite like clay pigeon shooting, which is what you're allowed to do in okay. this country. So I've done that quite a lot. So I like, but I just, I just think it's a weapon like that that can so easily end life and it could get into the hands of someone unstable, someone impulsive, someone not responsible. I just, in general, I don't trust people um, right. with even basic, forget about with a gun. And I suppose that's yeah, where I, my- I don't either. I don't either. But I think the gun culture, I think what the, the, the thing that you have to recognize, we don't have to get in gun culture debate, but the thing that you have to recognize about the gun culture is they don't trust people either. And that includes the government. Mm. They also, I mean, <laughs> I, I looked up one year because I've, I've always been, even when I was woke, I was gun culture just because I was raised in South Carolina. And I don't know, I, I was an anomaly in that way. My dad, all the men in my family shot. And, and mm-hmm. so even when I was woke, um, I was part of a gun club in LA and all that being said, the gun culture, I used to, I used to be a shooter, but also have a lot of woke positions on guns until I started looking up some of the data. And I saw that there were more like deaths by hammer every year than by rifle or things like hammer. that. I just had no yeah. idea. Yeah. And so 
uh, I think the gun people are like afraid of the hammer people. If you want to, or the, you know, the gun yeah. people tend to be more of like, I don't trust people and I'm going to have this thing to protect myself against. Um, that makes sense. The people who murder yeah. with knives and hammers and all the other, you know, um, but that, that aside, I, I have a little bit more nuanced view about Rittenhouse too. And we don't have to go into that. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm, I do think it was self-defense and I'm glad that the jury yeah, saw Yeah, I totally it think it was self-defense. Yeah. But I have him other... speak. Yeah. Like he's such an, he, he's, he's so mature for his age. He's so responsible. Even like watching that footage, he, he handled that situation so carefully and like, um, it's just like the, the whole situation is so shit. Like he shouldn't have been there. They shouldn't have been there. Like a 17 year old shouldn't have nearly you know, I just, yeah, I find the whole situation really fucking crazy. And then I find the people politicizing it, um, yeah. you know, to drive home their agendas very ghoulish. And the people now trying to groom him to make him like some kind of poster child. Again, like, I just feel this very strong safeguarding thing towards this kid. And the thing that just kept coming into my head was like, why were you out there? Why did you not have a parent to say to you, look, I understand your, your urge to go out there, but no fucking way. Like, no way yeah. are you going out into that, that um, it's not happening. Yeah. I think you and I probably agree on that. Uh, uh, wait, to get us back on subject, though, where were yeah, we? Yeah, I was... I go ahead. I was going to suggest we do some super chats to get us back on subject. Oh, okay. Let's do a few of those. All right. Um, all right. The first one I see is Pirate Tomsky, who says, in this episode, we have the spice and the sass. Uh, are you the spice, Sira? I don't know. I don't know. Well, Josh has to um, be the sass, right? I, yeah, How clearly. How can Josh not be the sass? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, Andrew Joyner says, sup, fellow humans. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, he's looks like he's in the UK as well. Finest City Cycling says, I diagnose whenever the hell I want, and I diagnose y'all as based and principled. Thank you, <laughs> you Finest City you. Cycling. Um, the hat guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the up, Keith. <laughs> Nobody asked <laughs> <laughs> Let's just read that one right now. Keith the hat guy says, no offense, you're <laughs> but if it wasn't for seven-year-olds with white folks willing to stand up, we would all still be British. Yes, <laughs> he is correct on that one. Uh, thank you, Keith. That was good. Uh, Swiftner says, greetings from free Bye, country, Keith. USA. Uh, my first Thanksgiving safely away from the oppressed territory has been refreshingly normal, very reminiscent of pre-COVID times. The journey since the retreat has been long. I don't know where you're going, and I don't remember where you were. I know you move around a lot, Swiftner, so... But it sounds like you're back in a relatively free spot, which is good. Is Swiftner the one we thought was the Fed? <laughs> yeah, Swiftner's the Glowy. <laughs> Hi. Mm -hmm. No I'm kidding. Hey, Glowy. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. We still like you, though. Uh, or am I? Um, oh, no. Actually, Swiftner's not the person you thought was the Glowy. Oh, I know. Oh, right, right. No. No, I'm, uh, about I'm just teasing him because he could, you know. He's got all the markers for being a glowy. Pirate Tomsky says, Carrie, I think you uh, were redirected to Shitter. This is about when you were looking on Twitter and found <laughs> <No>. stuff. <laughs> Gross. That's probably a thing. I was going like, to say, I don't want to look it up to see it. if it's a thing. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Internet rule 34. 
All right. I'll fight you naked, says Josh. Congratulations on Dark Horse giving you a shout out. Disaffected adds something critical to the conversation that I was totally blind to. That's cool. You got a shout out on Dark Horse, Josh? That's neat. Yeah, yeah. Heather, awesome. Heather Hying was very, uh, very kindly uh, plugged the show. It was great. Nice. Nice. Keith the Hack Guy says uh, you can learn about a lot about feminism from a PhD feminist book about feminism in marine mammals, but you can't learn anything about marine mammals. That is true. Probably true. Uh, <laughs> Pirate Tomsky gives us some swear jar funds. And the last one here is G-Man says, I've heard a lot of people say Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there, but I would say he shouldn't have had to be there. Adults need to step up. That's a, I mean, yeah, I don't want to get into the Rittenhouse thing, but you do need to ask the question. Uh, Surratt's comment aside, which is if you had a parent around saying, hey, 17-year-old, you probably shouldn't go do that. Like, I probably wouldn't want my 17-year-old there either. Um you should ask the question, like, why the hell why the hell did he have to be there? And the answer is, or did he feel the need to be there? Uh, and other people like him, including adults that were armed. And the reason is the state explicitly sanctions burning, pillaging, looting, and violence. The state sanctions the mob. They're, they withdraw right. their their duty to keep law and order. They with they they do not do their job, and they leave you in a state where you need to defend yourself. That's why. Yeah. That's why people have to do there because the state would prefer that Kenosha burn and that the rioters right. get their way. That is correct. It's not an exaggeration. It's not extreme. That is absolutely correct. We can see that that is correct because that is what they have done. Yeah. And... I... Go ahead, Karen. I'm really no, good for this kid, man. I'm just like now I can see that the the favor, like the side that was for him, is now slightly turning against him. Because he said he supports BLM and stuff right. like that. I don't know if you've looked at some <laughs> of the comments. Like yeah. again, like I just feel like everybody needs to be like hammered in. Like this is a kid, a seventeen-year-old kid. Like just like let him go away and be normal now. Like just be done with he's, it. He's just a human. That's an extreme version of of what I see people do to anyone in the public eye, where they just get so upset with, you know, if someone disagrees with them on one little thing. Yep. And then they're like, I'm done with this person. I, no matter what they've done to help people, like sort of, I saw this happen with Jordan Peterson when he said that Kavanaugh should step down if he was confirmed. And I disagreed with him, like a lot of people did, but I didn't say, I suddenly I saw people just completely want to throw him out with the bathwater. Like, ah, Jordan Peterson, get out of here. I'm done with you. It's like, come on, you disagree with him on one bad opinion or take. Yeah. And he's a human being. We're just human beings. And that's a really important right. point, though, because that's something I've been noticing more and more. I kept thinking, like, when I first kind of started talking about wokeness and the issues with it, I'd see this kind of behavior with them, that they turn against people, they're an angry mob, and they are, like, a very pathological angry mob. But some of it is just normal group behavior. Yeah. And you get a group of people together in any niche. You see it in, in our, like, little Twitter niche all the time, like, the infighting and you know, turning against people because they have one opinion that isn't like au fait or, you know, somebody is, um, you know, maybe a bit more moderate. And then you say, oh, you're, you're not real. You're not, you don't really care about this. You're, you know, um, a woke sympathizer. And it's just like, if we don't want to be like the woke and we criticize them, then we shouldn't behave just like them. Don't be right? like them. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the rationality? Where's the sort of like looking at argu arguments or ideas for their own merit? And like treating people as whole and complex. And <clears throat> if I was this person, 
what would the logical backstory be for me to arrive at this conclusion? It's such a simple two second thought experiment, but like it just, it just. This is why I think yeah. conversion away from woke is not just a change. You're not just changing your philosophy. Yeah. You're not you're changing your, it's a behavioral change. Yeah. You're changing your and psychology. Yes, yeah. which, is, which results in a behavioral change. And mm -hmm. if I see people who say, oh, I used to be, now there's like grifters, right? Like that who, there's a lot of people who've left the left. And then yeah. in among those, so there's some who I would call grifters who are just lying as a, yeah. con, the, the way con artists would use any ideology or religion or belief system. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, wait, you may be speaking anti-woke ideas, but you're not behaving in it no. in, in a way that, that, that bears that out, that you've had that change of, of, of psychology, Carter. Um, yeah. No, that's a problem. Uh, that is a problem. Um, and there, there's a few people like that, that just harass people and attack them and publicly, publicly humiliate them. Yeah. This is part of what I criticize about the woke. I'm not going to fucking endorse it on our side. Right. I, I want to get you... I just wanted to make a comment yeah. there. I obviously my biggest concern is the woke, yeah. um, because they're the existential threat. But I do have I do have a concern about the backlash, um, and I don't think woke will actually be defeated. But if it is, then my second concern is, uh oh, is it going to be by the backlash that it gets defeated, and and the people who are um, authoritarian on the other side in the other way. Um, because a lot of people, um, a lot of people have this psychology of they're, they're, they're in that ideological psychology. They're in that driven by their emotions and their desires. And all they do is flip sides. Yeah. And now they're driven by a different set of emotions and they're nothing else has changed about them. And that's how you end up with strong men, right? That's how you end mm -hmm. up with, with those kind of people in history is you have the Weimar Republic and someone gets fed up of it. Enough people get fed up and they vote for the guy that's going to clean up the Weimar Republic, whose name I don't want to mention on Twitter or on YouTube, I mean. Well, James Lindsay has said, like, sorry, has said a few times that that's why he talks about this stuff, because he's scared of when the reactionaries do, because there will be, the pendulum always yes. swings back. Um, he doesn't, he wants it to be rational, logical, liberal-minded yes. people that kind <laughs> of, you know, lead the thing and not the reactionaries, not the not the you know like the actual fucking racists you don't want them leading right. the charge or ethno nationalists well how right. is and that going to happen when the rational classical liberal people the great majority of them can't get out of their own goddamn way they won't <laughs> open their mouths they won't stand up and put their head up they won't raise their hand to be counted they sit there and cower like a bunch of timid mice and if they can be moved to talk about anything, it's easier to move them to criticize people like Carter or me or James Lindsay or whoever it is who's making them look not respectable enough or anybody who swears too much. How, I mean, if that's all fucking swear too much, want to be the reactionaries who set the agenda. You know, somebody said to me on Twitter the other day, this is an example of you know, what I worry about. Um, mm. I'm, you know, I'm one of those gay men. There aren't that many out there, but I'm one of them who is not afraid to say that, that 
not only is LGBTQ going too far, but that the that homosexuals ourselves had the seeds of this in our culture long before they took over. Um, mm-hmm. But some guy says to me, I, I said something and, and he's like, okay, well, that's great. Well, but what do you think about gay marriage and the fact that gays are allowed to have children? I mean, are you willing to speak out against that? Is this, are these the people that I'm going to be living with on the other side? Is this the world I'm going to be living in? Um, yeah, that's my concern as well, Josh. And it's because I think a lot of people, I, I've, I've started to view this as, and by the way, someone in chat said liberal-minded is how we're here. When Josh says liberal-minded, he means classically liberal, like liberal Western democracy. He's not talking about politically liberal necessarily. Yes. Um, but uh, we, you know, I look at this and a lot of people see the woke ideology and they want to look back in history and say, what what belief system can fight this that I can take off the shelf to use against woke ideology that it's pre-existing and I'm just going to switch to that belief system. And that's not my goal at all. And I don't think it's James Lindsay's goal. I don't want to speak for him. But when I look at this, I say, well, look, I look back and say a lot of things worked. A lot of things were good. There were a lot of great things about liberal Western democracies. And there's some things that we got wrong. And, and what I want to do is course correct moving forward. I don't want to jump back to some philosophy from the Middle Ages or somewhere else. It's like, oh, well, that will work. No, I want to march forward with the idea that the the I, the individualist ethos that maybe was the seed of the West, but was not properly planted, properly watered. I want to figure out where we went wrong and course correct moving forward, not like resurrecting something from history and applying it and hoping that that will stave off woke which is what I'm concerned that people are doing. When you said that, it just came to my mind that they think that they're the continuation of the civil rights movement when they're actually right. genocidal communism or something of that sort, you know? You mean the woke do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they believe do. that they're continuing the civil rights, that yeah. they believe they're fighting, they're, they're fighting fights that have been won already but they're pretending they haven't been one. Yes. You know, like people who go in the pool and pretend to be drowning. Like, yeah. I'm still I'm drowning, but you're like, but your feet are touching the floor. You know, that's it's like, the kiddie pool and you have a life yeah. preserver on that we this gave is, you. This yeah. is that Nietzsche quote about be careful staring into the abyss because the abyss also the abyss stares was, into yeah. you. And, you know, if you fight monsters that, you, you know, uh, you could yourself become monstrous. That's exactly what happens is because they believe they're fighting monsters. They believe they're fighting the monsters that existed in the past. They believe that they're current day and they're just as bad or they're even worse. Some of these people really believe, really believe that things are, are that we're living in it currently, that the, the U.S. is a white supremacist country. And that it's is far worse, worse for black people today in 2021 than it was in 1949. Right, right. They, they believe that. And, and so, but it's made them into monsters and it's, it's that quote exactly because they don't see that they've become the very thing that it is they think they're fighting. And to have that recognition, to have that realization and have the mirror held up is, I think, psychologically, well, it's very hard to go through that because you pull, it, it's all about your identity and who you are. Their identity is wrapped up in being these warriors for, against racism and against sexism and and to have the recognition that you're actually being used this whole time, the ones who are well-intentioned, I mean, that to have the realization that you've been used to push those things is 
it very it could be very damaging <laughs> to yourself to your it's sense of challenging. self. It's challenging. It's hard. It's yeah. emotionally difficult, but it is possible. It is possible. I went through that. Yes. You can go through that and come out on the other side of that. But they but they are being used. Um I wanted to get your we we only have I'm not sure how long we have you. We usually go for another half hour, but I wanted to get your take on something since we were talking about culture and what's wrong with people and are things worse today. One of the things I've been talking about with friends is TikTok culture. And I've noticed that I've I've been on there a little bit more lately trying to figure it out and see if it's worthwhile for us to make comedy there for unsafe space. And let me tell you, I think this is, I don't know, because I think it's got a very, I think it, it could be having a very bad deleterious effect on, on humanity. Is that the right word? Um, people, Carrie, can I just pause for a sec before yeah. you describe this? Cause it's serendipitous. Yeah. I had a conversation with my 12 year old at the breakfast table um, saying, like, what do, like, what do your friends, because she doesn't have a phone. She's not allowed to have a phone. Yeah. But, like, all of her friends have phones. And I'm like, what apps do they use? And she's like, oh, I said Facebook's for old people. She said Twitter is, she said Facebook's for, Facebook's for old moms and Twitter is for old dads. And the only apps anyone ever uses are TikTok and Snapchat. Instagram is on its way out. Some people still use it, but it's, like, dying. So if we actually want to talk to young people... Our, I, our crappy I, I alternatives are Tic Tac and Snapchat. Right. I actually, I, I agree. And, and just looking at them, that's it. That's absolutely it. So all the young people are there. And the there are people on TikTok that it's set up so that they're just continually scrolling. And if you want to have a, a successful channel on TikTok, the algorithm there is such that you have to have a certain amount of watch time for like a 15 second clip or a 10 second clip. Everything is in 10 or 15 second clips, the majority of them. Um, and even those, the attention span is so short that people scroll through the 15 second clip pretty quickly. They were like, ah, no, done. And and I've, I've, seen, I've seen how this affects younger people in um, one of my jobs. I, I get to hear people put together their own playlists and I have to, I'm, I'm with these people all day and the younger people We'll put together a playlist. It's all their favorite songs. I'm talking about people in their early 20s. It's all their favorite songs and they're singing along with the songs and then they will click to the next song like 15 seconds in. Even though they're singing all the words and they're enjoying it, they don't listen to the whole song. It's it's it, it's crazy. It's crazy making for me. I'm like, what? did you like that one? Like, like you picked it. Okay, I'm going to scare the shit out of these kids. My dopamine levels are slightly different. <laughs> it's going down. Next. What? Yeah. I'm gonna show them something. Put them full screen, Beverly. Let's see what this is. <laughs> okay, so children, listen up. This is something called a record <laughs> Okay, and I'm gonna show you how it works. It, I love you, Josh. Okay, so this, this is a record, okay? And it has two sides. It's side one and side two, or side A or side B. Time was when you would put an album, which was a complete conceptual work that took you on an emotional or artistic narrative arc. You would put the album on like I do. Well, here, I'll show you this big piece of furniture stereo behind me. You can't really see it. But you're going to get about 25 minutes of music on this side and 25 on this side. And you just have to listen to it the whole way through. <laughs> it's scary, isn't it? 
<laughs> it's really terrifying. Thank you. That's today's edification from the 20th century. But so I do think it's affecting younger people. And I'll speed up to the question. So this article that I had Beverly put up from Psychology Today, it's called Why TikTok Diagnoses Are on the Rise. And the subtitle is Why a Teen May Think That They Have ADHD, Autism, or Disassociative Identity Disorder. <laughs> That's multiple personality disorder. That's what it used to be called. ADHD. Actually, it's borderline personality disorder. <laughs> uh, and if you go through, we don't have to read the whole thing, but here are the key points. It says social media is a platform for connection among teenagers. However, it can have unexpected outcomes. Identity exploration is normative for adolescents, as is identifying with someone online. A clinical diagnosis is much different from identifying with an online correspondence description of a disorder. And so if you read through this, they do a whole section on how in adolescence it's normal to be trying on. They say trying on different identities. Um, but they're questioning whether, because there's this, this been this rise, this prevalence in young people claiming to have disassociative identity disorder or PTSD or anxiety from watching TikTokers who have these things. And I would- And I would Tourette's tics too. And what? Tourette's syndrome like Tourette's as wow. well. So do you think, given that I just started this off, we started this off by asking what's wrong with people. And I, I think that people are more unwell today than previously. Uh, I don't, I don't look at this though and think that this is a good thing that they're diagnosing themselves. I have, what are your opinions on this? It's a terrible idea. And um, the stock, I think it started on Insta therapy, which unfortunately I have, um, well, I'm an Insta therapist. I have a fairly big platform on Instagram and this therapy niche. And I tried to like be a counter to the popular narrative, but I don't know, it's a drop in the bucket. And all, literally all they, there's so many people on there that just literally copy paste their textbooks, probably diagnostic criteria they're sharing out of, like there's so much decontextualized knowledge. And the thing is people who don't, um, who don't understand, I don't diagnose in England only, you can't diagnose as, as a psychotherapist, you have to be psychologist or, or up. And um, even if I have like a, a case formulation, and I'll tell the psychologist and you know, when I'm referring someone on, so careful, because you can't, there's a threshold for every trait, we all have pretty much every trait. So every single thing you're going to read, you're going to say, Oh, that's like me, I'm like that. Oh, I must be I must be autistic because I like to be alone sometimes or, you know, my smartphone has destroyed my um, concentration. I've definitely got ADHD or I must have dissociative disorder because I'm not conscious all day, every day. And I'm being told you have to live consciously. And it's sort of this decontextualized knowledge. People are being fed like a, it's a fucking deluge coming at them. This is wrong with you. You have trauma. Everybody has trauma. Not being seen. This is the thing they say. Not being seen and heard is trauma. Like, who would be traumatized by not being seen and heard other than a, a child? Not not a. Not I was going to say a child with their parents. Yeah. Well, or or a narcissist. And you know, even then, I wouldn't. I would not say that a child is traumatized by not being seen and heard. I'd say they be, might be wounded. It would depend on the child. It would depend on what else is going on in the child's life. Um, it would depend on the child's own temperament, how sensitive or robust their sort of emotional life is. 
there's so much there that what, there's no one statement that applies to all the people all the time other than maybe we all breathe oxygen and need to drink water there's like other than that everything else depends you know it's case by case and they just throw out this shit um it's it's really irresponsible and now you have all these kids that we see on libs of tiktok and some of them like do you remember the the one who was um being a doll yes um like you know it's not even funny it's absolutely like this girl needs help not to be on tiktok not to be laughed at by by adults on twitter either she, this person needs like a therapist what the fuck is happening here like how are these how are this generation that we watch on libs of tiktok going to grow up have families hold down jobs um be functional members of society live a lot how how is that there's a big gap there between getting to work from where they are to where you're a functional member of society and it's not going to be bridged going down this road at all it's weird because it's hard, we don't often in history get to see so clearly dysgenic pressure but because mm. of the internet <laughs> we just get to see just dysgenic, dysgenic pressure on the population constantly um it's right in front of you yeah 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 my my thing about the the tiktok diagnosis is that they're tying it and they even tied in this article they're tying it to identity because it's yeah. become because mental health issues have been swept up and become part of the social justice belief system mm. and they get validation for having a diagnosis they get yeah. social courtesy and credit that even though I do believe we're more unwell people and young people like that woman girl you're talking about people are unwell today. There's more unwell people today, I believe than 20 years ago, but it's not a positive thing that they're on TikTok trying to figure out what their diagnosis is because it's because what they're really doing is trying to trying to create an identity out of having health mental health problems and shopping for which health problems they want to sit claim to have it's it's destroying their ability to heal it's 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 indulging the sickness rather than trying to no, heal from the sickness it's destroying the, the ability to develop oh good point yes yes because the rewards the rewards now are are given out for woundedness or alleged woundedness or perceived woundedness you know some of it's real some of it's not yeah. The, you know, and that I think that's always tempting. That's tempting for anybody who has had mental unwellness or a period of depression or severe anxiety. Um, you know, I certainly remember, um, I wouldn't have recognized it at the time, but I think when I was younger, I, I put a lot of stock in the sympathy I would get for having obsessive compulsive disorder or, you know, being a terrible depressive people, this is, I'm, mean, this is an economic transaction in a certain way, right? You are getting paid in social currency for displaying certain affects and certain interests and preoccupations. And I think if we could take the incentives away, if we could stop paying people for dysfunction or displays of dysfunction, I don't know how we do that, but I think that would help a lot. 
Well, I think also yeah. all this stuff is, you know, they, they pretend this is all about destigmatizing mental health problems. Um, they're not, they're, they haven't destigmatized mental health at all. And people with actual mental illnesses who really suffer and have very difficult people with treatment resistant depression, people who live with um, schizoaffective disorders or bipolar, anything with the genetic predisposition, they really suffer. They don't have easy lives. People with actual gender dysphoria, life is very yes. difficult, very difficult for them. And they need support. They need professional help. They need um, not fucking TikTok or Instagram or medication, whatever the right the right interventions are for them. A little bit, you know, holistic. If you, you look at what else is happening um, in the family life, in the history, everything. And, you know, none of that is being destigmatized because we don't talk about people who actually suffer with mental health problems, people with actual bipolar, what that looks like, people with actual schizophrenia, what life really looks like and how many of them end up um, drug addicted on the streets, how many of them get, you know, thrown out of their families, how many people end up homeless, how much of the homelessness is correlated to mental health. None of that is part of the conversation. The conversation is solely focused on middle class, um, you know, first world, primarily white kids who have a very easy, nice life and probably have both parents at home with them. They have all, all of that stuff, but they're being conditioned to think that being white and middle, you know, because there's even adults now, there's a whole, there's a massive amount of them who cannot accept the fact that they're white and middle class. So they take on all these different identities. And wokeness becomes this cudgel to like deflect from the fact that you are actually this privileged person. You've decided that that is a big problem. They can't accept it. And they've conditioned these young people into thinking there's a problem with being white. And, you know, all they're doing is this identity collection. And, you know, the more you focus on this laundry list of bloody labels, the less you're actually developing normally. You know, what about your personality? That needs to develop. Identity is a very poor substitute for personality. Well, and it's a, it undermines personality because once you have an identity, an identity kind of implies that it's uh, fixed. Um, yeah. And personality is something that can be developed. And, you know, you, you said white middle class. I want to throw in something. Maybe you'll disagree with this, but I think it's white middle class women. It's girls yeah. in particular. Um, yeah, I agree. So, and and I, it's almost like the histrionics the natural histrionics of a teenage girl are yeah. suddenly becoming normal and and uh, indulged. Yeah. Or they look at it as um, the natural, you know, phases of adolescence or the natural histrionics, let's say, of a teenage girl, that that's a sign that there's some something very wrong there and they need to do some kind of major radical interventions. Um, and then the other thing is that you see people my age and up that, or, you know, 30 onwards, I'm closer to 40, but um, that still have that affect, that are still a histrionic adolescent. And I found like, I don't know if this was your experience as well, Carrie, when you went, um, Carrie, when you went through your um, cancellation, primarily this group, women, white liberal women <laughs> that go after you. Oh, um, yeah. Because you, you don't see a crowd of men dogpiling on someone generally. It's the almost always white. women. It's really weird. It's primarily white women, upper middle class, 
yeah. uh, well-educated. How, however, they will sometimes, in my particular piling on, one in particular, she liked to sick men on her targets. So she would, it, she would give her male allies an opportunity to perform for her. So she would say, no. men, like on Twitter, she said this about, men, I could use your help here, kind of thing. And it's then their peacock dance so that they can, yeah. hopefully she'll sleep with me after this. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, show, I'll show my feathers. Yeah. I used to get so angry when people would say that. I thought that was such a, I thought that was a cheap insult and it's absolutely correct. What, what? the men in the peacock dance thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's totally, yeah. it's 100% correct. The creepiest guys are the male feminists who perform for the, even yeah, if they're not doing it consciously, even if their conscious goal isn't, I'm going to do this so that I have a better chance of getting a date with her or or, mm -hmm. or sleeping with her, I think it's still at the bottom of most of that. It's also, mm -hmm. well, it's also similar to, in the circles I was in, uh, 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 black people who were woke would sometimes do the same thing with white allies. They would say, white people, we need your help here. Here's yeah. the link. And then yeah. all these white people would run in, you know, <laughs> to do Go Some black people will like me if I do this. Yeah, they're yeah. like, I don't have the emotional labor. Let me take on the now. emotional labor for you, yeah. young lady. Yeah. Exactly. We've gone from putting down your coat over a puddle to uh, piling That's, on carry on TikTok. That'll get yeah, you. Yeah, the same. The same women, and the one I'm thinking of in particular, she would have a problem with a man opening the door for her, but a man going in and fighting her battle online, cool. Like, yeah, that's cool. yeah. doing emotional labor for me, great. But physical labor, how dare you? Right. <laughs> because she really needs the physical labor and doesn't actually need the emotional yeah. labor. Uh, which just sounds inverted, but that's why. Um, should Let's do some more super chats while we've got okay. you both here. Because I, some of them might be addressed to you guys. And I don't want to miss, miss them before we're done. I know we've gone a long time, but we can marathon it. I'm going to do with one out this. of order. Matt yeah, Deckard says, I'm only here because the men in the vintage fashion scene are unique in their dog piling. That's true. And Matt and I still have to do a talk about the fashion scene and how this is. I'd social love to hear works. that. Yeah. Are there heterosexual men in the fashion scene? I don't mean to yes. this on. And Matt, in okay, the retro scene, yeah. And they the SJW oh. ideology has seeped into there as well. He also said something earlier. It's like swing dance your way to social justice. Is that like a thing now? Yeah. Yeah. And like knitting. <laughs> He also said, I miss Carter's word of the day. That was not a super chat, but I was like, oh, yeah, I miss that. I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, you mean on the sign behind me? Yeah, it used to have the word of the day. Uh, I, you know what? I got lazy. I could start I could start adding it back if people really want it. I don't think anyone yeah. cared, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and start adding it back. Um, today's then, word would be Madonna, just for Josh. That would be... 16-Bit Mascot says, always enjoy your talks, guys. Insightful. Cheers. Eric S says, Eric S gives us five bucks and says, great show. Josh, have you noticed TikTokers often repeat their identities are valid? Is the use of that word a cluster B thing? I see the word a lot. I'm, I'm not sure I'd say it was a cluster B thing. I think it's more of a that culture thing. And that culture includes people of all, you know, it includes includes a lot of cluster bees, I think a, a higher number than the background population, but it's not the majority of them. And yet they all use it. I, I think it's part of that cultural lingo. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. It's I think it's similar to how they say trust the science. They, they like to yes. tell you what you should conclude. So here's, here's something you got to understand about a lot of these people. They really want to tell you what you should conclude, not give you the information and expect you to draw the conclusions yourself. So yeah. I'm giving you this information. It's valid. I've told you it's valid. 
You cannot argue. I said it was valid, right? Like I gave you the conclusion. I didn't just say I identify as a large empty room. Like then if that's, that's all I say, you can decide whether that's valid or not. Like I have to wag my finger and say, and that's valid to identify that way. Now you, well, you, know, you put your finger on you know. it. That's the only thing. That's the only thing we need to know about valid. It does one thing and one thing only. It is shut up. You may not criticize or have a different opinion about what I have presented. That's it. There's nothing deeper there. There isn't any nuance to it. It is merely shut up. Right. (laughs) It's a metaphorical period. Like it's over. Conversation's over. It's valid. It's also about legitimizing some of these ideas because when you think about what the word valid actually means, it's, they want to, they want to legitimize things, things that, um, that aren't logically coherent but they bring feelings into it and they say, but it's valid. This is how I feel and it's valid. Great, how you feel might be valid. What you do about it might not be though. Right. Well, it's valid. It's it's weird because what does it even mean to say how you feel is valid? Like It doesn't say, mean well, anything. It's, yeah, it's a meaningless statement. I think they use that word. You don't have to say two plus two is four and that's valid. You only <laughs> say it when what you're saying isn't yeah. true. That's yeah. right. When it isn't self-evidently true, then yeah. you throw in valid. Yeah. yeah. That's that. That's dead on. Yeah. I don't even like I don't even like my feelings are valid. I don't like that. I don't either. Um because it doesn't mean anything. It, it doesn't mean so right, yeah. <laughs> like what the what, fuck what are you the work saying? It's trying to do is my feelings are justified. There's nothing wrong with my feelings, and you are committing an act of social aggression against me if you question whether my feelings are appropriate to the facts. That's what it's about. Your feelings so, are neither invalid nor valid. They simply exist. Oh, exactly. If you tell me, exactly. if you tell me that you're you're having a feeling, most of the time I'll believe it. I will believe that you are having that subjective qualia or sensation. But mm. it's not either valid nor invalid. It's simply a description of your temperament at the moment. So right. it's like saying rocks are valid. Like they just they, exist. I want to ask your if this is true, Sarah. Um, some of the books I've read on borderline personality disorder that sort of coach people on how to live with or love someone with borderline, um, they encourage you to say that. They encourage you to say before you get into, like, like let's say you're living with a borderline person and they're uh, emotional and attacking, that in, that in order to take the attack, to remove the attack, you have they encourage you to start by saying, I can see you're angry. That's completely valid emotion to have, but, and then move on from there. Is that, is that just for lay people? Is that just in books for lay people on how to deal with borderlines? Or is that something that psychologists or they do in the room too? I would not do it. That's just nothing to do with actual, um, actual therapy is about examination and and analysis it's not about validation or invalidation but when it comes specifically to this client group people with borderline personality disorder their emotions are so um intense it's like they lose control of themselves constantly in the emotion so you know that it's like it's like the tide is in like they're standing on the beach and the tide is in and they're just submerged Mm -hmm. in this um, you know, like tide of, of emotion. So somebody who's overcome with anger um, and has that kind of personality pathology, 
they can't see anything except that in that moment. That's all they can see. And then they perseverate on it. They get stuck on it. So it's just a way of, it's a way of managing. Um, and I just, I want to make one point though. It's not always, all people with, with BPD aren't trying to, you know, they aren't always malignant. They're people who really suffer, who just get overtaken by these emotions and they really struggle. They really mm -hmm. do. And they don't want to be that way. So I think that's really important to point out. But there's, there is a group of people that will get overtaken by the anger or whatever. And you don't know what they might like lunge at you. Um, they can't hear anything you're saying. It's a very difficult group to deal with. Um, so you have to, you have to, you know, that's the strategy. So I understand you're angry. It makes perfect sense that you're angry because that's that's all their reality is in that moment. Mm -hmm. So you're acknowledging their reality um, and kind of stepping it, stepping into it with them yeah. while saying, but, you know, don't hit people or whatever. <laughs> so like, that's the, that's kind of the way you, yeah. the way you do it. Um, it's like the emotion is valid yeah behavior but... is not <laughs> no your emotions might be valid but the behavior the results from those emotions is not fucking valid all the time like you can't demean people call them names hit them harass them none of that is valid right you know even the fact that i have to say the word valid makes me angry like yeah. what does this have to do with anything whether yeah. it's valid yeah. or not well i think it's right. a it's a tactical it's a tactical it's a tactic yeah. um, to diffuse an immediate situation. Right. But it is not a therapeutic intervention. Absolutely not. It is not something, I mean, you may have to do it. The circumstances that you're in may call for you. That may be the only option you have to get through that immediate and acute period with a person. But that has not worked an intervention on them. That has not helped. And it's not your job to do so. I'm not saying that you should have to do so. That's It's not your job. But it's also not therapeutic. It's no. something you're doing to manage getting through. It seems that way to me anyway. Yeah. No, you're right. It isn't therapeutic. But therapy now has, um, you know, been ideologically captured. And this is what therapists say. Validation is a therapeutic skill. It's like, no, it's actually fucking not. It's got nothing to do with psychotherapy. Um, you know, if it was just about validation, then why do they need to come and see you? Just send them like a nice email every day. Like, what's the point of put them on to TikTok? Everyone every can love them. Yeah, exactly. What I yeah. what we need from therapists, I mean, you know, different people need different things. But generally, one of the things I I so appreciate about my therapeutic relationship with my psychotherapist is I, I know that I can actually reality test with him. Yeah. I know that he will disconfirm my cognitive distortions and I depend on him to do that. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want him to validate me if what I'm thinking is in any way deranged. Right. 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 <laughs> That's what I tried to do with your deranged opinions about pumpkin pie, but okay. we, okay. <laughs> it's not pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie is fine. It's those goddamn sweet potatoes. Why don't you like sweet potatoes? Okay. All right. Why I, not? Okay. Oh, I'm going to tell you. 
Serenity called them. Serenity called them the devil's tuber. They are the devil. <laughs> That's such a Josh insult. Yeah, it is. Sweet potatoes are a tritone, like in music. They mm -hmm. are they are this interval that should never be played. It is always okay. So here's the thing. Yes, I'm Southerners. You you may have seen this on Twitter. I am in fact launching a war of northern aggression on sweet potatoes. I am coming for your sweet potato pie. I'm coming for your sweet potatoes with marshmallows. I'm coming for your fucking French fries. Okay, what's oh, wrong sweet with sweet, sweet potatoes? Is that they they are. Don't come they, for the French fries, Josh. Please, please. The sweet potato fries. You can have regular ones. No. Um, I... Yeah, don't. <laughs> um, I mean, I was with you up until you hit the sweet potato. There, <laughs> my oh, problem with them is that they're they're in the uncanny valley of food for me. I understand that for other people, they're not. They're neither fish nor fowl. They're they're not savory, but they're not completely sweet, and they have a texture. <laughs> they do have a texture. I I made sweet. We always make sweet potato pie. Maybe it's a South Carolina thing. We made two of them. They were, and I had some friends here who had not had one before. I just have to say, they really were pleasantly surprised. I'm going to make you a sweet potato pie one day, just to see if it if your if your opinion about them holds true. Okay, well, <laughs> like I said to you on Facebook earlier, you know. I'm not going to be excessively judgmental. I'm simply going to reflect on the unfortunate circumstances in which you were raised and feel compassion for you. <laughs> the chat's turned against Josh. <laughs> okay. We had our moment of frivolity. It was interesting. We did. We did. Um, I, I do want to do, let's do some super chats because we're running up on two hours here. Um, oh, oh, wait, wait, before we do super chats, can I ask Sira one thing since she's the professional? Um, what your, your feeling validation thing, what I, it's reminded me of something that I, I think is a Montessori parenting thing, but it might, might not be Montessori. It might be somewhere else that I do do, um, which is when a kid is upset or, or overwhelmed with an emotion, there's the, um, starting with a mirror and saying like, I see that you are very angry i see that you are whatever like so that they know that they're they've communicated their emotional state like their your emotional state is recognized as existing it's not uh it's not necessarily valid in the sense of any moral validity but it does exist and there's a is that is that what you're talking about when you when someone's saying starting a conversation with like that's a valid thing is that all it is or is there something else I think it's something else because what you're describing, and, and it's different because with the child, it's a completely different thing than with an adult. You know, with the with the child, you're also teaching them how to how to connect to their own emotional life. So when you kind of get on their eye level and you're like, yeah, I understand you're really pissed off about this, but blah, 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 whatever. Um, with an adult, it's different because an adult is meant to be self-governing. And mm. it isn't it isn't just about what you described as this emotional intervention. I think the way this gets this gets thrown around now, and I see it as well with therapists, it is um, some sort of moral legitimization type of thing. Normalize this, validate this is valid. Or this, this is all they fucking say all day long. It's like this sort of weird social engineering type of thing that that 
they want to take away from people what their instincts are and then like implant this weird pro social program you know this is how you have to get on like these weird automatons that like this is normal this is valid don't ask people about this after 7 p.m at night because someone told you it's just really okay stupid okay yeah, don't be. All right, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to bring us down after the sweet potato debate. Um, <laughs> but I started out on Josh's side, but I ended on Carrie's side. Um, so uh, my mind can, in fact, be changed. All you Shorter have to do is say sweet start, potato fries. Fine with that. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, <laughs> I agree with him about sweet potato fries. I don't. Ah, gross. But so like you're both wrong. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. See, right? I don't like all this. Where do you stand on this? Just split you guys. <laughs> I, I quite like I like sweet potato like in stews and stuff. I think they're really really nice. But we don't roasted. I don't think we cook them though. Yeah, they're lovely roasted. Um, but we don't do the thing um with the marshmallows and the and the sweet stuff. I think that's a particularly American thing. Like, yeah. The first time so, I heard yeah, that that you I make a savory meal with marshmallows, I was like, what? How does that work? But, so, so one of the different. South Carolina vegetables that we make is called butternut squash casserole. I just started calling it pie because it's a lie to call it a casserole. They, they, and they, people will come to family get togethers and, and they'll sign up for like, okay, you need to bring a vegetable and they'll bring this dish. And it's, mm -hmm. it's literally, it's butternut squash with, you make it like a pie, the filling. And then on top, it's a, you take a bunch of, of cookies, Nilla wafers, and you crumble them with brown sugar and you have a mm -hmm. cookie, brown sugar, buttery crust. And it's the sweetest, like dessert is that, and is that put that's pudding though right that's not like part <laughs> of your main meal so the rest it's of the, the no the rest meal. of the world now can understand how americans are obese that's a vegetable <laughs> yeah apparently what no what that is <laughs> is able to toilet <laughs> that okay that shit is pre-digested you don't even need to eat it you take it right out of the oven and flush that thing <laughs> how dare you okay one one other though because this is the real kicker i i actually make the butternut squash casserole but i don't make the congealed salad my aunt i talked to her yesterday she did make What's it the congealed salad <laughs> the congealed salad it's also called uh she calls it the pink stuff it's where you take well, she makes a pink version and a green version. Okay, the, the pink version is you get a bunch of fruit cocktail canned and then you mix it with red jello and jello. cream cheese and then and cream cheese. And so it's real creamy and pink. It becomes creamy and pink because it's jello and cream cheese with the suspended little bits of fruit in there from the fruit salad. And then on top, you do a whipped cream or marshmallow topping with nuts all over it. What? And they call it a salad. Well, all right. After this, Carrie. That's yeah, I, I'm gonna say this. Also, like only Protestants do that. It, <laughs> if it comes down to the, your world and Josh's world, I'll give up my sweet potato fries uh, because that's <laughs> disgusting. That sounds like um, like some kind of '70s thing. Yes. 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 Sort of, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It comes with so, shag carpet, and yeah. So really um, quick, just one borderline thing, and because I know this make Josh laugh. Every year at the holidays my mom this is the one time she would cook and we would and if we had people over she would make one the last one i remember that we did this she made the pink stuff and glennis my aunt made the pink stuff and she was really upset that my aunt had made the pink stuff also and so she took it off the table and hid it in the back of the fridge <laughs> so people people would only eat her pink stuff oh <laughs>
No one should have eaten any pink stuff. <laughs> and take that's for yeah. that's a professional opinion, everyone. No one should have eaten any. Well, as, as dessert, like okay, yeah, but like I don't understand how that can be your salad. Jelly or like yeah, the word salad shouldn't be involved in that. Yeah. Right? That's no, like, yeah, that's, that's not salad. That's a dessert. That's all Southerners yeah. for you. That's yeah. how they are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> wow. All right, Josh's okay. attitude is priceless. All right, um, let's let's do some super chats and then we can wrap it up. Uh, Rodzilla says, "How far right can I go before it's too far right? The more insane the left goes, the further right I go." Do you actually move though, Rodzilla, or are you just standing there and they call you further right? Because that's those you know, are Rodzilla things, right? makes a very important point there actually, because the right has a line of when you're too far, right? So like you know, we we all like I know there's lots of conservatives and and in this anti-woke group, whatever, but there's a very clear line. As soon as someone's like a bit racist or um, hateful in any way or very regressive, it's like, nah, you're you're too far right. Get the fuck out. Like you're you're ousted. There's a very clear line there. Where's the line for the left? You just keep going further, 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 like bloody sideways. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point, and it's. I think it's. I think that point is responsible. Is partially responsible for the march towards the left that we've undergone for decades in the West. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Porn, uh, porn for kids should, that's crossed the line, but the left. Apparently not. Not for the left. <laughs> apparently not. Yeah. Swiftner says, actually it would cross the line if it was people on the right doing it for some kind of reason. I'm sure that would, that would cross the line. Yeah. Uh, Swiftner said, this is the glowy. Swiftner says, my corner of free country is an Eastern outpost to the American readout. Oh, cool. Uh, searchable longstanding concept by James Wesley Rawls uh, of Survival Blog. Yeah. If you're not familiar with the American readout, I want to check just, it out. I just West clarify, South Dakota Black Hills is both scenic and free, he says. I just want to clarify. I was joking. You guys don't about Swiftner. He knows. We were joking at the retreat. It's just a joke. He knows. We're, yeah, yeah. I know, but I don't want anybody else to be like jumping on him. Yeah. <laughs> if, if nevertheless... If Swift, if Swiftner asks you in chat to do something illegal, <laughs> don't, don't do it. <laughs> uh, Pirate Tomsky says some of the quote liberals only realized how bad things were because they were canceled. Would have been happy for it to carry on if it hadn't affected them. Yeah, hundred percent. He's so yeah. right about that. Yeah, because they're driven by their psychology, not by their uh, philosophy, right? Because they don't have principles. Mm. Um, I, I think. Uh, Andrew B. says the, quote, civil rights movement was thoroughly infused with socialist and anti-Western cultural ideologues. Yeah, it was. Uh, Matt Deckard, here's a dollar two. Thanks for Madonna. He sent us a dollar ninety nine. I think he's doing the YouTube tax calculation. Uh, Daniela Lafave says she gives us a super sticker of a Shiba dog. Um, and Rodzilla... I think rounding out the super chats here says stick to arresting people with forks and leave our second amendment alone. I think that's a dig at you, Sira. I think thanks for the coming at you. <laughs> after, I, after I bloody endorsed your last point, I take it back. <laughs> wrong about everything. I don't, I don't trust that guy. You're not making friends, Rodzilla. <laughs> uh, oh, Ken, one more. Kent Onufa truck says Tritone is my favorite sound. Great guests. Um, Thank you, Josh. Great super Tritone. Chance. All right. Pardon? 
Uh, we've, we've been going for over two hours, guys. Is there anything else we need to address before we let these two wonderful people go? I did have a folder of images and I was going to play a game called What's My Personality Disorder? But I think that it's probably not something Sarat can play. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we'll save it for a Josh. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll save it for another time. Because I, I made I, up I, a new cluster. Um, just for SPPD, which is sweet potato personality disorder. <laughs> <laughs> and you all have it. <laughs> I don't, well, see what seemed like she was, oh no, she did say she liked to roast sweet potato. Oh, no, yeah, so it's very nice, really nice and stew. They are. It is very nice and stew. <laughs> That's the slippery slopes. You're up before you know it, you'll be slapping marshmallow on there and putting it on the table as if it's a vegetable. You got to be careful. I can't believe um, you put like sweets with <laughs> jelly and marshmallow on the table like it's your veg. Yeah, like that is, veg. That's, that's what that's kid. Sad. That's what that's what a kid would come up with when I grow up. <laughs> yes. Then and I have to yes, eat yes. dinner. It's gonna yeah. be full of candy and oh, marshmallows. Oh yeah, you should see. And the fancy vegetable casserole. That's like canned veggies and cream and mushroom soup. And on top is a Ritz cracker. Ritz cracker crust, Ritz cracker and butter. Well, at least that doesn't have sugar in it. That's true, but <laughs> it's still like quite nice. It's so decadent, every it's, it's all decadent. But it's, that sounds genuinely sounds really. It's tasty. delicious. Yeah, it, it does. It sounds really. I don't eat fungus, so I'm. You guys, I is there a cluster for fungus uh, disorder? Yeah, we can. Nah, make I love mushrooms. Yeah, and they're such a uh, by the, I, organism. This is not a super chat, but I'm going to call it out because my daughter mentioned something about this the other day. Someone says, you know, Carter has a touch of humor that I like, but he's forcing himself to focus on what matters uh, a lot. Like I'm trying to be serious. Mm -hmm. Oh, the funny thing is only the unsafe space audience thinks that I'm a serious person. <laughs> Maybe Carrie does as well. But my daughter the other day was like, she said this in the car. She's like, if everyone knew how much of a silly, ridiculous person you are, they wouldn't listen to what you had to say. And I was like, Thanks, kid. That sounds so, like something a daughter would say. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, Beverly, you can be the one to do the credits when it's time. So I'm not going to touch anything. I just have to say that. Carrie, is there anything we need to yeah, say before we round it out? Yeah, just a reminder, if you guys, if it's your first time watching us, you don't know about book club, you can go to unsafespace.com and check out the book club page to see our next few books. Uh, December 19th, we're doing Black Rednecks and White Liberals by Thomas Sowell. And my husband has absconded with my book because he says it's very, he's already reading it. That's how good it is. So I hope you'll join us. And the one after that, You've got Raskolnikov to deal with, so you can uh, go read some Dostoevsky. Sirot, uh, remind people how they can find you and where they can follow you. You can find me on Twitter. It's Sirot K. Chawla, which hopefully you'll put in the description because... Yes. Because, of, yes. because obviously, and um, same <laughs> handle on Instagram. Cool. And Josh? Oh, yeah, and I have a website. I always forget about that. Sirotkchawla.com. It's just sirotkjavla.com. Them foreign names got to be spelled, Sirot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no one has said it right so far. So uh, say it right. Say it right. Please. Sirot is the traditional word. Sirot. Yeah, but then the closest anglicized would be Sirot. I'm happy with Sirot. The most annoying ones are Sirut. I find that like a bit annoying. And also secret <laughs> well, there's a little secret. bit of a there's a little bit mm. of a, a rolled r a d yeah sirat thank you sirat. Yeah. now i sirat. know okay. okay yeah you said it perfectly actually Carter. yay josh how do people find you with you your obnoxiously foreign name sold. 
wherever what wherever fine faggotry is sold <laughs> and where there are no sweet potatoes so san francisco <laughs> no i said fine faggotry oh. Oh. <laughs> this is a quality establishment sir <laughs> my podcast uh, is called disaffected i'm on twitter as disaffected pod all righty well thank you Thanks, both guys. for joining it's this fun. was great Thanks yeah for i could probably I flew by yeah, I could do another two hours, but I don't want to torture the audience or you. Um, I'm really but thank great, you so much. grateful for both of you in a Likewise, grateful state of mind. And I'm so glad you're both doing what you're doing. So Yeah, we should do this thank more you. often. This is a great – having you both on at the same time is is pretty pretty awesome. So Yeah, it was really, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, take thank care, you. everyone. Thank Have a good one. Audience. All righty. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. To be honest, I am running out of patience with the following individuals. Here's a fun fact. Experts agree that inflation is good for you. As a reminder, self-defense can only be used as a last resort. You are legally required to first see if your death effectively deters your attacker. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.